Hi there, Scott Hamilton, Rockfile, back with another podcast review for your ears. Going to be talking about season one of 12 Monkeys. I will avoid spoilers until the very, very end, and I will let you know when they get to them, because there is something I want to talk about that is quite spoilery. But other than that, we'll just talk about the show. Short version is, this is a pretty good TV show. I'm, I'm surprised. When it originally came on back in uh, 2015, I believe. Uh, where was I? 2015. Hmm. Yeah, it was after. Okay. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of TV shows made for movies for the most part. As we all know, they're not usually very good. Reboots, remakes, this is the topics that I've covered in podcasts recently and is going to be coming back up as more come out. For every Dune, for every Blade Runner 2049, for every Top Gun Maverick, there are hundreds that are terrible. I mean, they made a Crow TV series out of a pretty good movie and it wasn't a very good TV series. But anyway... Um, so I didn't watch it when it was on sci-fi. I had zero interest in really watching it. But over the last few years, I've read more and more good things about it. So I mentioned in the past few podcasts, I was placing an order with HamiltonBook.com to check it out. One of the things that enticed me was a Facebook ad that advertised season one of 12 Monkeys for $1. Three Blu-rays, all 12, 13 episodes, 13 episodes, um... For a dollar. The digital copy had expired, but still, for a dollar, yeah, why not? And I threw it in the order with the other stuff I got, and I finally finished it tonight. This is a little late. I was getting ready for bed, and I've already been working on podcasts and YouTube and editing things all day and working on my setup. But I watched the last episode tonight, and it's going to be a while before I continue the series, which I ordered right after I finished it. <laughs> So let's get into it. Like I said, short version is if you're interested in the subject matter, it's different enough from the movie that you'll like it. So the first season gets a lot deeper than I thought it would, goes a lot further, does more things than I ever expected it to do. I expected it to kind of stretch out the two-hour movie that had Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe, and Brad Pitt Terry Gilliam directed it. Like I said, the CV series was going to in no way ever top the movie, which recently came out in 4K and expect a review of that in the coming months. It's always been a favorite of mine. That's why I wasn't interested in the series. The first episode pulled me in. It's basically treading the same ground. Aaron Stanford playing the James Cole role, role Amanda Schul playing Cassie, the doctor, uh, how the two of them get involved, the Madeline Stoll role, basically. And no, they don't have Brad Pitt. We have um, Emily Hampshire from later Schitt's Creek. <laughs> yeah. I think she does great in the role. Kirk Acevedo, a few other actors that you've seen in other TV shows are in this. It lasted for four seasons, 47 episodes, and seasons two, three, and four get better reviews than season one. So as the show opens up, you know, if you don't know the story of 12 Monkeys, 
the earth is wiped out by a plague. We figure out time travel and we send somebody back to stop the plague that wipes out the world. Things get more complicated from there. He jumps back and forth as they try and figure out the, the mystery of the army of 12 monkeys and how this all began. If they can stop it, maybe they can save the world. And every they will cease to exist, but they will save the world. What we deal with in the movie, it has an ending. It's kind of self-contained. It was great. The TV series is based on not only the movie script, but the original story by Chris Marker, Le Chetty, from 1962. It was made into a short film before Terry Gilliam made it in 12 Monkeys, even. It's been around for a while. The same production company that produced the original movie, one of the original producers of the original movie, worked on the show. So it does have a lot of uh, lifeline <laughs> connection to the original movie. But it is very much a TV show. It plays like a TV show. There's a lot of TV stars in it. Um, the cinematography, though, is very cinematic. It, it feels like a movie a lot of the time, not the whole time. There's some very TV things that happen. But overall, it's interesting sci-fi time travel TV show that has a heart and a you know, a mystery that you want to solve, which they do not solve at the end of the first season. And like I said, there's going to be some spoilers at the very end. We're going to talk about something that happens in the last couple of episodes and what it all meant. Not there yet. I think the actors are all well chosen. I think they obviously spent a pretty big budget. There is a scene in about the 11th or 12th episode that is as movie special effects filled as any TV episode I've ever seen. There's an explosion that's just phenomenal. The detail, the the special effect, it's one of those kind of slow motion things. You see every piece of window, every piece of everything flying out slowly. It's very impressive. Actually, it turns out they won two awards for cinematography, both in the U.S. and Canada, were nominated for four others. So there you go. You like pretty TV shows. This is one. I think the acting is all around good. They're not trying to do the Star Trek of time travel. I mean, it, it's fairly explained, but they don't get into the, you know. They play last and fast and furious with the rules of time travel, but that's okay. They're trying to tell a greater story. It's trying to be a weekly drama. Um it went off on some tangents that I didn't expect. Not all of them I liked all that much, but that's okay. Um, we get further, deeper understanding of what's going on in 2043 in the future after the world has fallen. We go back in time, and then we go further back in time, and then we go different places back in time, and it jumps around more than the movie does, so that's quite interesting. And by the end, it wraps up, and I'm very excited to see where it goes because with the twist at the end, it's like, oh, and knowing that there's three more seasons that critics liked even more, I can highly recommend it. Like I said, it ebbs and flows, but overall I never found it boring, and I could have actually binged it, but I chose not to knowing I only had the one season. I believe it's streaming on Hulu. I don't have Hulu, but I read it was. So if you wanted to stream the whole thing, or right now on Amazon you can buy all four seasons for about 25 bucks. So there's that. Uh, individually, the seasons were available from Universal Pictures. They were more expensive. They're 11 to 25 bucks a season. But I got the first season for a dollar. 
Mill Creek put out all four seasons for about 30 bucks. They say there's a weird color timing in the first season, which doesn't bother me because I already own the first season. I'll just toss that out, I guess, or give it to somebody. And then seasons two, three, and four use the exact same masters that Universal used and charged more money for. So if you wanted to pick it up hard copy, uh, it's regularly, usually, well, it came out at about 80 bucks. It's hovering right around 30 to 35 usually, and right now it's on sale for 25 or streaming on Hulu. I'll come back with more further uh, reviews because I do plan to watch the rest of the series. I like the actors enough. I like what the showrunners have done with it. I like the writing, the directing, uh, the effects, all of it. Um, I wouldn't put it down as, you know, a classic like Firefly. But so far, it's better than a lot of sci-fi shows that are out there right now. Check out 12 Monkeys, a sci-fi show that actually turns out to be one of the better things they produce since... Battlestar Galactica, and a few other things. I really like it so far. And I'm a huge fan of the movie. doesn't negate the movie. The movie's still its own thing. I don't know why people go, well, it sucks. It's not like the movie. Well, it's, they're not trying to make, remake the movie. Why would they? It's Terry Gilliam. You don't remake Terry Gilliam. It just doesn't happen. So they took the idea of the story, and they're doing their own version of it. And that being said, that's what a good TV show should do. Like I said, there's some very TV moments, but overall, it's a pretty darn good show. So that wraps up the non-spoiler part. We're going to get into some spoilers. You can tune out now. I'm Rockfile. My links are below. Uh, thank you for listening and blah, 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 blah. Spoilers, major spoilers coming now. Oh, I forgot to mention that Trevor Rabin is one of the composers on this. I mean, he's done a lot of movies, but I've always thought that was kind of cool. So Kirk Acevedo plays Jose Ramsey. The character is... Cole's best buddy, and he's introduced, and we see they go through a whole lot of hell in the future. After the world has fallen, they're surviving, the two of them. They get taken prisoner. They escape. They they cover each other's butts. They shoot people to save each other and all that. They're brothers, right? And he's there in the future every time that Cole comes back. I mean, he's got his back. Always has. I mean, it's just been years. These guys have been, they've had it. And so then three or four episodes for the end, they introduced the fact in the future that he has a kid with a woman that he didn't know about. And he starts becoming uber protective of the kid and the woman, so much so as to exclude Cole from things, to lie to Cole and eventually stab and try to kill Cole. It happened really fast. Like all of a sudden, oh, I got a kid, so let's throw everything else out the window and I'm going to kill this guy who saved my life a thousand times. It made no sense. And then <laughs> he goes back into the past and becomes an evil mastermind who created time travel, who helped create the virus. He wants the world to end like it did so he can get back to his kid. He's cuckoo. He becomes this... This real villain, right? And they start thinking of him. Everybody, they start mentioning this, the witness. So they start thinking he's got to be the witness. You know, he knows everything that's happened. He's made decisions over the last 28 years that have led to everything that's going to happen. Yeah, he went back to the 80s. 
And then at the very end of the very last episode, he's still trying to wipe out the world and he's going to send himself into the future to be with his son. And he gets mortally injured and in talking to Cole, gives up the drugs to go into the future so Cole can save his girlfriend and all of a sudden finds a heart again, back to who he was. It, that's just a convenience of writing, kids. They took that character way one way and then pulled him all the way back to where he was in just a few minutes. <sighs> that was a bit of whiplash, the only real complaint I have about the first season, because I think everything else is handled incredibly well. How Emily Hampshire plays Jennifer Goins, the character who's basically um the Brad Pitt character who's got a loose screw but knows things. She's amazing. I think Amanda Shul is just fine as Cassandra Rayleigh. I think she's she's great as the scientist who comes to realize this is all really happening. At first doesn't. And I think Aaron Stanford is the perfect guy to play James Cole. Not that he's like Bruce Willis in looks or anything, but he has that worn, that tired, that I've seen everything and we still got to get this done look on his face almost all the time. They do spend a lot of time in 2015 in the last half of the episode, which is basically when the show was filmed. So that makes time travel a bit easy when they don't have to change things around, right? But yeah, the only real complaint I have is that Cole had to deal with his best friend in such a way that, I mean, they made him... And then at the very end, oh, he's not the witness, it's somebody else. What? And they dropped this. The 12 monkeys were actually the army of the people who showed up at the end to try and save the time travel machine that Cole messed up everybody's plan with what he did. And I'm not giving that away. That's a big spoiler. But he sent somebody in the future who's not supposed to go into the future. And so that's why I want to see season two. It's a good show. I think the writers wanted this last, well, what the first season feels like is they didn't know they were going to get another season. So they do just about every kind of episode in the 13 episodes. The first few episodes kind of run the the course of the movie. Then there's a, a few episodes dealing with the future and some people that are trying to take other people's stuff and killing each other and tribes and all that. And then it gets into, there's a final third of the season, gets into the the big mythology that's going to carry us through the next few seasons. Just the twist of Ramsey and then to just bring him back and have him almost be, you know, fine at the end and they walk off arm in arm. I don't know because Cole was ready to kill him, but it just, I don't know, it just seemed like too, too far one way and then too far back the other way for the character. But we'll see how it goes. I don't know how the human psyche would deal with time travel and all of this if it were real. Think about the the complexities of your life and how much more complex it would be. Anyway, uh, more to come as I review seasons two, three, and four in the near future. Thanks for listening. Lots of podcasts to come. Check out Bros for Life Network. It's available on YouTube and will be repeated here on my podcast at least for a while. And more things are on the way. Thanks for listening. Have a spectacular day. 